welcome to the Tabletop Sportcast, your home for all things tabletop sports. I hope you'll take a minute to subscribe and give us a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts. I'm James Gast, and this is episode 53. Today, our topic is tabletop baseball isn't real, so why do we always treat it like it is? If you want to discuss anything related to tabletop sports, check out my Facebook page, Tabletop Sportcast, or send an email to tabletopsportcast at gmail.com. You can also support the podcast on Patreon, and a link will be included in the episode description. Now, before we get into today's main topic, I've got a special announcement. All right, so the podcast has been going really well, but at the same time, I have felt like something has been missing. And as I kicked off the uh, Patreon page for to help support this podcast, I also felt like something was missing for uh, patrons of the podcast and trying to offer them something, you know, extra as part of supporting the podcast. The thing that's been really missing from the podcast is a lot of times I'm talking about things and I'm not really able to provide a lot of the visuals, you know, because this is more like the audio medium. So what I've decided to do, and this is the special announcement that is going to be part of today's episode, is I have launched a new Discord server called Tabletop Sportcast Live. And it will be available to Patreons only. What I am hoping to do is maintain some discussions there, talking about different games, like ideas that people have, but also hosting a once a week show, which would be a live stream where I'm going to, you know, do things that are typically more visual in nature. I'm hoping to use it to kind of as I'm doing project planning or Uh, updating my website or working with different spreadsheets to help with the tracking of all the different games that I'm playing. I will share those, kind of talk through my approach, how I set up up certain spreadsheets to keep track of results, um, what I'm doing and the reasoning behind like the website development, all those kinds of things that I can't really do effectively inside the podcast. I may eventually get to like actually playing some games here and there too, or, you know, certainly see an opportunity to just talk through games and do maybe some like Q and a about, about different games that I am playing within the podcast. So that's going to be the real intent behind this brand new effort that I'm kicking off. I will probably have the first episode if you want to call it that, but let's call it the stream. The first stream will be next week. Uh, They are going to be featured on Monday nights, probably at like 8 p.m. Eastern time. And it will, like I said, only for Patreon. So if you want to take part in that, that will require you to go to my Patreon page. The link will be in the description as always uh, and sign up for a membership. And, you know, I, We'll probably do about four episodes a week or four streams, uh, not a week, four streams a month. 
And right now I'm just asking for a dollar in support, right? Dollar a month in support. So that dollar basically gets you access to four streams a month right now. And we'll see how that goes. Um, and it might provide some opportunities to kind of build from there, but that's really going to be the intent behind it is to start to close some of the gaps and give an ability to share a little bit more of the things that I talk about on the podcast but be able to provide some visuals, kind of walk through pe with, with people and interact a little bit more with the audience. So that is the big special announcement here. Tabletop Sportcast Live on Discord. It is only available through a Patreon subscription. And looking forward to seeing how many people want to take part in that and, and be part of the live streams. All right, let's get into today's main topic. So today we're going to talk a lot about tabletop baseball games, uh, and it probably applies a lot to computer games as well, but we're going to, you know, obviously stick with the tabletop theme here on this particular podcast. So with tabletop baseball, a lot of the discussions that I get into with folks when we're talking about the games is about all the things that could be added to games to give it some more realism. And one of the things I've been asking myself recently is, you know, let's call it what it is, right? Like tabletop baseball isn't actually real. What we're doing is we're playing a game and we probably have to think about what makes the game different than real baseball. Now, whether it's a game or a simulation or somewhere in between, maybe even a strategy game, there's all kinds of different versions of tabletop baseball that are out there. And one of the things that makes having a lot of these different titles uh, interesting to own within your collection is that all of them will try to deliver a different part of this baseball experience to bring it to your tabletop. That said, I don't think there's any game out there that is able to actually deliver what is a baseball experience. So what we're going to do is talk about some of the limitations of a baseball game and realize like that hopefully make the case for why you can just accept tabletop baseball for what it is a tabletop experience that is going to deliver something pretty close to that real baseball experience. So let's start first and foremost with this idea of pitch by pitch versus an at bat. There are certainly games out there that will allow you to go pitch by pitch and almost, you know, take that approach of trying to, um, deliver that pitch-by-pitch -pitch experience. And some games even go there a little bit by being giving you the opportunity to uh, maybe think about doing things like pitch outs, um, but, or, you know, or pickoff attempts uh, to give like the uh, at-bat experience just a little bit more time. But for the most part, and especially in the tabletop world versus the, um, you know, a digital like computer game in the tabletop world, most of the games are going to focus primarily on resolving an at bat. And I think it's important to be able to do that because I, you know, if it's me and I'm sitting down to play a game out on my tabletop, 
I don't exactly want the game to take as long as a real baseball game. If my tabletop experience is going to result in a three-hour marathon to play out a nine-inning game, like most of you know, the games that are telecast, that's not really going to meet my needs. I'm looking for a game that plays in a much shorter time frame, and I would like to see it condensed, like most games do successfully for baseball, down to about a 30 to 45-minute window. I can get faster than that, that's even better. Um, But I still want to have a little bit of detail there. I mean, I can certainly play some quick play games or, um, you know, an instant results to get what I want out of that, but it won't give me the detail that I want from what I would call a full game. If I take something like History Maker Baseball or, you know, in my collections, you know, Status Pro Baseball or even like, you know, the old... uh, Avalon Hill, Sports Illustrated game, Superstar Baseball, right? Those give me the amount of detail that I want by giving me the at-bat by at-bat experience as I go through a nine-inning game. But what I'm not getting in there is all of the details that require me to get down to that pitch-by-pitch level. And I'm not sure I want that that amount of detail. I have played computer games where I can get into more pitch-by-pitch approach And unless I'm playing somebody head-to-head, I don't think I really want to get, even in a computer game, to that level of detail. So one area where a game versus real life is going to be different is I'm not going to get to that pitch-by-pitch detail, and I'm not sure I want to go there anyway. The other thing that's baked into the results, you know, most of the games that we play on our tabletop are you know, playing out what happened in real life. Uh, Unless you're playing with something like History Maker Baseball and playing with a Baseball America set, that's the only place where if it's a fictional league and you're working with more like qualities rather than hard numbers to kind of play into a simulation, more often than not, the game is meant to replicate what already happened in history. And that right off the bat makes it a big difference from what takes place in real life. But even if we go to the to the place where we say, well, I want to replicate real life on my tabletop, we have to understand that the numbers that we're generating a player card from include a lot of different factors. I don't think there is any game on the market that is able to extract from a player's stats all the things that help influence that to get to a core value that shows me how that hitter or pitcher performs in a vacuum. And here's some of the factors that I mean by that. I do not get a chance to look at a player's card and understand exactly, oh, this is how he performs with runners on second and third, or the base is empty, or just a runner on first. There's no game that's breaking down the details to that level. I don't know if they've had a shift on. I don't know if the hit that they got that's a single on their card was represented by a line drive or a squibbler down the line that wasn't picked up in time or a ball that glanced off of a fielder's glove, 
or a bloop hit into, you know, the corner outfields. None of that level of detail is showing up in the cards because we just don't go to that level of detail. We're going to extract from a set of stats that demonstrated all of those different aspects, and we're just going to take it for what it is. In the scorecard, it's a single. A single is a single regardless of what kind of single it is. Same thing for a double, triple, and maybe the only thing that we can really tell, even though there is a slight difference between maybe hitting a ball out of the park or hitting an inside-the-park home run, for the most part, when I see a home run, a walk, or a strikeout on a player's card, whether it's the pitcher or the batter, I know what that basically represents. I also don't think that when you forget about the hits and you know the, the positive outcomes for a batter, well, look at outs. You don't understand all the time like all the intricacies, intricacies that go into recording an out. Was it a ground out or a fly out? Most games don't go to the detail level to understand that, hey, if I hit 300 and 700% of the time, you know, or, you know, 70% of the time I am making an out, outside of the strikeouts being identified, do I know the exact breakdown of those ground outs and fly outs and represent that on the player card? Do I know the exact breakdown of whether those went to the left the center or the right side of the players field, you know, the field, probably not. I don't get to that level of detail. So I have to kind of extrapolate that. And I think most games do a really good job of extrapolating it based on here's what the average baseball player is doing. Yes. I might be able to swing that a little bit based on some other st uh, statistical categories. Maybe I can designate like they do in status pro between a normal hitter and a power hitter. I certainly can extract versus a left-handed hitter and a right-handed hitter to tell you a little more directionally what I think is happening with those outs or those hits. But for the most part, I don't know specifics about what the breakdown is there unless I really dive into the play-by-play -play stats, and I don't think most games will go to that level. You also don't always know, like, you know, we want these special plays and we want these special alignments and things like that that help us understand how a baseball game is played, right? Um, take, for instance, a hit and run, like, or a bunt for a base hit. Like, these are elements that most people, when they're playing a game, are saying, hey, I want to have these options because it gives us more control as the manager to be able to call the shots a little bit. But have we considered the fact that, you know, if I have, you know, a guy like Kenny Lofton and I have his player card sitting in front of me, are those bunt base hits that we know he's capable of getting already baked into the fact that, you know, he's hitting the, where he's hitting, that those singles on his card are already representing some of those bunt base hits that he has? Or have we extrapolated those out? And given you more of a raw data card and then said, hey, like based on his ability to hit and based on his speed and his ability to bunt, you can take the option of seeing if you can get some extra hits here with a bunt base hit. Like I don't think most games go to that level of detail. They've already baked it into the player's card. Same thing for the hit and run. 
how many t- times do we know? Like, do I know if I played with a team like the 1985 St. Louis Cardinals and they have all those guys who can run like crazy? Do I know if all of those batting averages already maybe replicate the fact that they use the hit and run play in a number of situations? And has that been pulled out so that I have to kind of go in and do that myself as the manager to get their numbers where they need to be? I don't think so. I think most of that is already baked into their card and it already takes into account things like bunting for a base hit and hit and run plays. The same will go for defensive alignments. You know, if I take a card for like a David Ortiz, do I think that that card represents how David Ortiz hits against a normal infield or does it already can't, you know, incorporate the fact that David Ortiz spent a lot of his time hitting into a shift. And is that already represented in his numbers? And now if I say, but I need the ability to put a shift on against David Ortiz, isn't that already baked into his card? Is there really a need to go to that extra step to get that piece? Yes, as a manager, I would like to have that ability to control my defense, but I need to also accept the fact that for this tabletop experience that I have in front of me, that's already baked into the results that are in my cards. And a lot of this ends up playing out, and we have to accept the fact that because we can't control all of these intangible variables, we control some. We are given the ability to control some, and some of these play out a little differently within the games themselves. But it's almost impossible to control every single one of those intangible qualities. And as a result, we might see that some players don't always perform exactly the way we want them to. And I don't care what game it is that you're playing. If you change what happened from a historical standpoint in any way, shape, or form, you are probably going to change how that player performs on your tabletop. Some examples. Let's say I'm doing a season replay. I could play with as-played lineups. I could make all of the changes throughout the game as they took place and actually replay history exactly the way it should be. But what if my game doesn't play out exactly the way that that historical game played out? Maybe in that historical game, I jumped out or my team jumped out to a 5-0 lead in the first inning. Does that change the way that my starting pitcher was handled for that game? What if in my replay, it's a 0-0 game going into the seventh inning? What do I do then? Do I say, well, you know, this is what they did in real life, or do I treat the game as it's unfolding on my tabletop? Chances are I'm going to treat the game as it's unfolding on my tabletop, and I'm not going to necessarily go for a pinch hitter or go for a relief pitcher unless the situation on my tabletop calls for it. So replicating historical events on the tabletop is really difficult to do to get it exactly right. Over the course of time, because these are all based on different statistical models, chances are we're going to end up with a total accumulative statistical outcome that looks pretty close to what happened in real life. But it may not play out exactly the same way. 
could your starter get, you know, starting pitcher? Could they get rocked in a particular start? They could. And maybe out over the course of, you know, 35, 40 starts, things have a way of working themselves out. And they may not pitch really well in the game that you remember. And you said, wow, in that game, they actually pitched like a nine inning shutout. And in this game, they gave up five runs. That could happen. But chances are, like, over time, they're still going to end up pretty close to the same place that they started. That's if you keep the variables mostly intact. However, I think a lot of us end up playing things out a little differently on our tabletop than they played out in real life. Do you use the exact same lineups? A lot of people are really good about using as-played lineups. Others want to do more like as played rosters and then decide for themselves, like who would start in that particular game. Do you pull starters? Do you play it, you know, the same time and let them have the same number of at bats. If you stray at all from that, that changes the outcome of the game a little bit. If you're playing, like I do a lot of times, if I'm playing a single team replay, what do I do with the other team's roster? especially if I've made up my own schedule, right? Can't really use as played roster, you know, lineups anymore. So what do I end up doing? A lot of times I end up giving my opponents the opportunity to use the best players that they have available. I'll put their best lineup out. Maybe I am tracking injuries and things like that for my team, which is now going to impact, you know, my team's ability to perform at the same level, but doesn't really hurt my opponent's team from performing at the same level. What will that do to the outcomes? Probably going to impact them a little bit. So a lot of times when I'm playing these games, and the more variables that the game allows you to control, for instance, you know, well, actually, let me finish the thought. So the more outcomes or variables that the game allows you to control, the farther you're going to stray from that pure statistical outcome that you're expecting to get. Example, I can play status pro baseball. And if I use the base game as it stands, it's going to come out with a very true outcome for the most part. There's not a whole lot in the base game itself that impacts things like weather, except for some, you know, unusual outcomes in the Z charts. There's not a whole lot that's going to impact, impact the player's frequent highs and lows that they go through in the course of a season. They're going to play pretty true to their average player outcome. If I take a game like History Maker Baseball, all of a sudden I'm starting to introduce more of those variables, especially if I'm using the game day chart. If I use the game day chart, I will get some of those swings in highs and lows for a player. Maybe a player gets hot, changes the outcomes for those set of games. Maybe a player gets really cold, changes the outcomes in a negative way. Have a better chance of having weather impacts. So all of these things start to play out a little differently. And between those two games, right out of the gate, I'm expecting to get a truer outcome with Status Pro than I am with History Maker Baseball. However, my enjoyment for the game is probably going to be greater with History Maker Baseball because I do have more control over those variables and a little less so with Status Pro where it's mostly let me see if I can get the true outcomes to happen the way that they're expected to happen.
So a lot of times you have to really take things as you would with a statistical model. If I look at that isolated game, that one instance, there's a good chance that it's going to be high variability of repeating the outcome. But if I take it over the course of, you know, a full season, 162 games, chances are I am going to get back to what I would want as an expected outcome for the entire season. But understanding that the more variables the game allows me to control, the more that percent change increases. And that's because the tabletop baseball game isn't real. We're trying to replicate what happened in a real life scenario. We're trying to replicate that experience. And as a result of trying to replicate it, chances are we're going to change some things about it. They're going to make it stray from the original model. All that being said, the really well-designed games and game engines are going to be based on a really strong statistical model that allows us to true back to that expected outcome, even if we do change a lot of different variables about the game. So as I take my games out, and I start to change around some of the variables, especially if I'm doing something like a what if situation or what if scenario, I have to accept the fact that the more variables I introduce, the further I should expand my expectations for what's gonna happen to true results. If I use, for instance, an all-star set or a hall of fame set, should I really expect all of those players to perform exactly as they did? I mean, they're not facing the same competition in any way, shape, or form. So no, I can't really expect those outcomes to come close to what, what they were based upon. That being said, if I've got a home run hitter, a good game engine, a good game design, will allow that player to be a home run hitter. If I have a strikeout pitcher, a good game design or good game engine is going to allow that pitcher to be a strikeout pitcher. And that's the part that I expect to see as I play that game and introduce a bunch of different variables to it. You know, I'm doing right now this what-if scenario for the 1985 Mets. I'm playing out Tom Seaver's starts, and I want to see how he would have done on the Mets. I know, and I'm using a card that's based on how he performed with the White Sox. Different team, different league, different opponents, different stadium. A lot of different factors there. And because I'm changing all those variables, I still expect to see Tom Seaver perform mostly like Tom Seaver. But I can't expect it to be exactly the same. I've changed a lot of variables there, and it's going to change the way that that whole thing plays out for that project. 
if I go back to my 2019 Mets replay that I did, you know, last year, I made up my own schedule there. I wanted to see every single team in the major leagues face the Mets. I picked how many games they were going to play against AL opponents, NL opponents that weren't in the NL East, and even the NL East opponents. Like the number of games everybody played was different. I also played team by team by team by team, right? So the schedule didn't see the Mets face the Marlins, face some other teams, face the Marlins, face some other teams, face the Marlins. Now, the Marlins were one of the worst teams that year. The Mets played them in 11 straight games towards the beginning of their schedule. I went into that series with the Mets riding a nice winning streak using History Maker Baseball. I had a couple of positive outcomes on the game day chart that were riding into that series. Yeah, the Mets were going to dominate the the Marlins. And part of that was expected. The Marlins were not a good team. The Mets really did dominate the Marlins in the regular season. There were two differently classed teams when by the time that season was over. But in my replay, there were some factors that went against the Marlins. That said, the Marlins also had the opportunity to have Fresh players. There was no injuries that got carried into that series for them. The Mets had some injuries that got carried into the series on their side, though, because I was tracking injuries for the Mets. And all of these things led to potentially different outcomes. So when I got to the end of that 2019 Mets season, Jacob deGrom did not pitch the way Jacob deGrom normally pitched. And I'm okay with that because I changed a lot of the variables. I went with DHs in the the National League instead of letting the pitchers bat. Chances are it's going to increase his ERA. He faced all the American League opponents and had less games against some of the really bad National League teams. All that's going to change it probably in a negative direction. At the same time, I had Pete Alonso increase from like 53 home runs up to 70. Huge increase in total number of home runs. I probably changed some factors there to allow him to do that. I'm sure facing some different opponents allowed him to do that. Playing in different stadiums. You know, having an opportunity to get a few more at-bats because the team played with a DH rather than a pitcher. There's a lot of factors that I changed in the way that that season replay took place. And as a result, I probably created some favorable outcomes for Pete Alonso. And it's why I allow myself to just play these games the way that I want to play them and not always worry about a true historical replay, even when I'm playing out a historical season. I try to keep things somewhat relative. I don't want to change too many variables. But, you know, do I want to make my own lineups? Yes, I do. Do I want to build my own starting rotation? Yes, I do. You know, that's because I want to be the manager for my teams. And that's going to mean allowing me to control some variables and just understanding that by doing that, I start to move away from that statistical model as it was designed, and I'm going to get different outcomes. So that's my case for why tabletop baseball isn't real. And I'm not sure that we need to act like it's supposed to give us the ability to create every situation that we see in real baseball because we just can't capture all the different intangibles that go into how a baseball game unfolds. 
and all the different decisions that are taking place throughout that game that aren't always captured in a scorecard. And if we do that, that allows us to enjoy the game, still get a very true to reality outcome, even if it's not perfectly on point. All right, that's our episode for today. Again, if you want to take part in the new Discord server, join up with Patreon. Otherwise, I will be back on Sunday, and we're going to talk about the narrative and how it plays out in Second Season Express. Thanks for listening.